Greetings to the Men of Sorrows podcast. I am William Lloyd, a man of sorrows. I want to thank everyone for um, tuning into the podcast, for listening. If you're tuning in, it may be that you've had an experience, uh, a traumatic loss experience, a loss of a loved one, that you are on this journey that I call the long walk home, that you are dealing with grief. And I don't know whether the grief is just in your face day after day or like it is with me, it trails behind me now. It's always yelling at me and trying to get my attention. And when I need to mourn and pay attention to that pain or whatever's going on in my body, I pay attention to it. But today I wanted to look at and really look to the scriptures for comfort and encouragement. I had studied and been a, a, a Bible teacher and a, a played a pastoral role for years and could even walk people and quote the scripture concerning the afterlife, concerning the promises of Jesus, concerning God's comfort. When my son died, May 9th, 2019, my, my faith was shaken. I, I could not get any comfort from the scriptures. Little by little, it came back. And as I mourned and had to feel just the raw, unexplainable pain and sorrow that I felt with my son's death, I was mourning and grieving, not as a pastor, not as a believer. I was mourning as a father, as a dad. And it doesn't matter where you are in life, what your station is, you are mourning the loss of a loved one, something huge, something big. So wherever we're at, if sometimes I remember going to my son's memorial service and I had the, the greatest people around me that anybody could ask for. I think of my good, dear friend, Ed DeVries, who loved my son, loved me. And he was leading the music that day. And he was talking and he sang it as well with my soul. And I remember wanting to feel it, wanting to believe that the words of that hymn were true and trying to sing it, but it did nothing. Because you have to go through the pain, I guess, right? I, but I wanted to believe it. So as you go through, and we're going to look at the raising of Lazarus, but really Jesus' response to the sisters who were grieving. The raising of Lazarus, and we're going to look to that for comfort, for encouragement, and for looking as we begin this walk to know what's at the very end of our walk, the very end of our path, what's waiting for us. So let's jump right in. Um, Jesus was um, Jesus was told that Lazarus was sick and that he might die. And it's in the Gospel of John, chapter 11. It says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. So Jesus, in his humanity, in his earthly relationship with people, was close with this family. 
and he ate at their house and they were they were close friends with him and Lazarus was friends with Jesus to the point Mary and Martha sent word the the one you love is sick when he heard this Jesus said this sickness will not end in death no it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you there. Yet you are going back. And Jesus tells them in verse 11, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. Now he used a euphemism that we often use for death. He used the euphemism, he has fallen asleep. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him, right? So the, the disciples <laughs> warned Jesus that you can't go to Jerusalem. They want to kill you. And he says that we have to go there because of Lazarus. And they all decide to go. And Thomas, doubting Thomas, he's like, all right, let's go. We're all going to die. You know, Thomas had a very negative view. <laughs> So you see the humanity in all of this and what's going on. But Jesus knew Lazarus was dead because he's the son of God. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, I want you to try to remember, if you can, what it was like four days after your loved one died. I remember... For, you know, I remember hell. That's what I remember. I was in hell. So here, Mary and Martha are four days out of losing their brother. Now, as we read through this, I want you to look at the reactions of Martha and Mary and how Jesus responded to them both and how he ministered to them both. You've heard it often said on the show that not everybody grieves the same. Not everybody mourns the same. They all deal, we all deal with grief differently. I also want to remind you that grief is what we feel inside all of the thoughts and feelings and turmoil swirling around inside. Mourning is the expression of that and the coping with that. And part of mourning is the ritual. Part of mourning is the memorial service. Listen, I know that a lot of people will say, I don't want any celebration for me when I'm gone. I don't want any of this or that. Listen, they're, they're in the arms of Jesus. Nothing matters <laughs> to them anymore. The funeral, the celebration of life, whatever you might want to call it, is for those that who have been left behind. Those that have been left behind. So there are some things you can honor. You cannot have an open casket or put the person on display. But the celebration of life, the remembering of the life, 
the ritual is part of the public mourning. And be careful of how much you feel it necessary to honor the wishes of those who have gone before. Because from their viewpoint, it doesn't really, it's not going to matter what you do. And if you honor and celebrate their life for you. So keep that in mind, but watch how Jesus responds to each one. Dr. Dr. Van Sant, who, who's up there in New Jersey, where all my loved ones, many of my loved ones are, and I want to give a shout out and say I love you to those people. Dr. Van Sant says that he breaks people into two types of categories, thinkers and feelers. And then he breaks it down further, but those are his two main categories, thinking people and feeling people. And he says that Martha was a thinker, so Jesus appealed to her thoughts. He gave her facts. And that Mary was a feeler and Jesus wept with her. So it's kind of interesting how he responds. And we could bat that around a little bit. So on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus, this is in verse 17 of chapter 11. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles away from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. So Martha does what we all do. We think, man, if we did this, that, or the other thing, she did the would-haves, woulda, coulda, shouldas with Jesus. And we're not going to go down that road. I've talked about it on other podcasts, but that's something that we do. We grasp for control. We grasp for, in our minds, we're bargaining. And when we do that, in, in a way, in our minds, tricks us into thinking they are still alive. They're alive. And if we would have done this, that, and the other thing, if, when they were alive, they'd still be alive. So Martha says, but I know that even God will give you now whatever you ask. Now, we know that um, Jesus had raised the centurion's daughter. There might have been reports that got back to, to Martha that Jesus had um, raised someone from the dead before. Jesus said, your brother will rise again. So the first thing Jesus tells her is a fact. Your brother will rise again. If she's a thinker, he's appealing to her mind. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So somewhere Martha has been taught about bodily resurrection, the last day, the new heaven and the new earth. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who has come into the world. Now, I want to pause there. You can't be any more clear here. Jesus can't be any more clear about the fact that he gives eternal life, that there is something beyond the grave, that there is going to be a new age, a new life, what we commonly refer to afterlife. 
He says, I am the resurrection and life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. Put your loved one's name in there for me. Liam will live even though he dies. Liam will never die. And then Jesus asked Martha, do you believe this? Right? So he tells her these facts. He, he points right to himself, tells her the facts, and she says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who, was to, who has come into the world. So Martha comes out, and she is in her mind. She is in her head, and she is saying, Jesus, if you would have been here, Lazarus would not have died. Jesus immediately appeals to her mind with facts of the resurrection, the afterlife, what is to come after the grave. And Martha says, yes, I believe it. Verse 28, and after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews had been with Mary in the house comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now notice that Mary's fallen at his feet. She's weeping. She's crying. Different than Martha. She's in her feelings. Notice that she did the same thing. If you would have, the would have, could have, should have. But she didn't say, like Martha did, but now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. See, Martha was in her mind thinking things through, applying some sort of faith. Mary was down and wounded. She fell at his feet and she was weeping. And all she said was that if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. <clears throat> she seemed to be a little more hopeless because she didn't add the second part like Ma Martha did, saying, I know now. See, Martha had a bit of hope. So Mary is weeping. And in verse 33 says, When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And then what they say is the shortest verse in the Bible. Someone pointed out that there was another shorter one. I forget what it was. But anyway, Jesus wept. So now Jesus sat there and he wept. He wept with Mary when he saw Mary weeping. He asked, where is he? And then he wept. He wept with Mary. He cried with Mary. He practiced what he preached on the Sermon on the Mount. Weep with those who weep. Mourn with those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. He responded to Mary differently. And as we try to help each other through the path and the walk of mourning and grief, we have to be sensitive that not everybody grieves the same. I am so grateful to God for the place, the dark, dark place where he brought me from, where I didn't want to live, I didn't want to die, I was in agony, to this place of hope and peace and joy that I want others to have that. And I could be excited and throw all of this at them at once. There's an afterlife. You're going to see your child again. 
But if I'm not sensitive to where they are and sensitive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, I could be a noisy gong in their ear. Right? I could be a clanging cymbal and a noisy gong. And that's my prayer. Lord, keep me from being a clanging cymbal and a noisy gong. Please. So, and it, I mean, I remember a friend of mine told me he came back from the funeral of his mom and, you know, he was involved in the church and he said, I felt like I was at a spiritual cliche festival. I mean, he was hurting and the cliches did not help. So Jesus weeps. Now, why did Jesus weep? He knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He knew that in a few minutes he'd be seeing his friend. He knew what was going to happen. Why would he weep? Some say that he was responding to Mary and weeping with her because she was weeping. That's true. But what I really believe is that in his humanity, Jesus felt the sting of death. He, he saw that what he saw how distraught Mary was. And he realized that every one of us go through this. Everyone goes through the death of a loved one. Sometimes I've seen more people where it just sweeps their family in different ways and tragedies that I say, how could they stand up under that? I believe Jesus saw the heartache and our hearts getting ripped wide open. I think he got a big flash or a big revelation of this is what all the people I love go through all the time, this weeping and mourning and this loss. And I feel that he felt it in his humanity, the loss of a friend, the, 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 the heartache of his sisters, Mary and Martha. I, and I believe that in, in his divinity and as the son of God he got a flash of just what sin and death has cost the human race and to me it's the worst thing that we go through in life so here you have Jesus weeping and then he goes we know that he goes and he raises Lazarus from the dead to show that he has authority over sin and death and to show us that death is not the end. He told Mary and Martha that he is the resurrection and the life. And then he proved it. He did the miracle. And Lazarus lives again. Lazarus raises, rises from the dead and comes out. And Jesus tells him, now you guys take, take his grave clothes off and minister to him. Right? And it's funny because... Right after that, the people were like wanted to kill Jesus. You know, the, the political leaders that were in power could didn't want to lose their power. And they were like, man, we got to get rid of this guy. He's raising the dead. So recapping all of that, as we look at it, we see the clear promises of Jesus where he says that whoever whoever believes in me will live even though he dies meaning we are going to die physically, but we will live spiritually in a new spiritual body and in, in a new heaven and a new earth. And then he says, whoever lives and believes in me will never die. 
meaning that physical death is not the end. That really death is a, is a new birth into the new age. Now, some of you might be listening and say, well, my loved one didn't believe in Jesus. Listen, they might not have believed this side of the grave, but there are many, many testimonies of people who died atheist and got to see Jesus and were invited to come in. So think about that your loved one is in the presence of a loving, merciful, kind God. Who's going to refuse that? Seriously. Who's going to refuse that? I'm going to put in the show notes the testimony of Ian McCormick, who died an atheist and met Jesus and was invited into the eternal life. I'm going to put that in the show notes because that will give you the hope that you need. I think there's no, there's nothing that God wouldn't do to have us with him. So the promises are right there in front of us. Right there. Your loved one lives even though they died here physically on earth. You will see them again. You will be with them again in new and wonderful ways beyond your comprehension. Just not now. It's coming. Just not now. Do you know in eternity, it says that a day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years like a day. So I want you to think of the best day you ever had with your loved one. The best day while they were here. The best memory, even if it was part of a day, the, the, the most wonderful memory you had with them. And then picture that last thing that feeling, that moment, a thousand years. I mean, that's only a, a glimpse. That's only one little way to try to wrap our minds around eternity. The, be the, the beginning of our journey is right now as we walk this hard path of that loss, of missing that person, of learning the new normal. To me, it's like an amputation. It's, it's, it's never coming back. <laughs> You know, and that was part of my, my deep mourning. I remember telling my wife, um, breaking down in the airport and just wailing and saying, I know everyone says that I'm going to see Liam again. I know about those promises, but this life is all I know. And he's never coming back. And I wept and cried. And as I called on Jesus and prayed and called on him, he restored my faith. He shook my, I believe like during that time, my faith was shaken because there's things that had to fall away. There's things that I believed about God and I believed about how he thought about other people or about me that just did not pan out. In fact, I would think, I would think that the me of 10 to 20 years ago would think that I'm a heretic now. But that's okay. Because as Dan Duddy said on our podcast, as he said that his wife Mora said, you know, that she sees the beauty in the world and the love God has for humanity because her heart was ripped wide open and broken. And Richard Rohr says that in his book that he really believes in the immortal diamond. He writes that he believes that our heart has to be broken at least once if we're going to have love and compassion for others. At least once, <laughs> our, 
our heart might be broken. So the good news that I want to leave you with, beloved, is that physical death is the worst thing that we face. The loss of a loved one is the worst thing that we face. The one that departs, they realize it once it happens that this is the most exhilarating, most special, important day of their life. <laughs> but not for us. We don't, we don't take some process for us to come to grips with that and understand it. But I pray for you, my prayer for you is that you find the same hope and joy and peace in God Almighty's promises of eternal life and the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus bringing immortality to light, what he has done for us that we couldn't do for ourselves. My prayer is that you would know that hope that we have, that blessed hope of reunion, of resurrection, reunion, reuniting, and living in new and wonderful ways on the new heaven and the new earth where there'll be no more dying, mourning, crying, and it's the eternal realm that we know very little about because there's no time, and that's a mind blower. So my prayer is that you find that peace, that joy, that you can breathe again and rest in God's promises and picture yourself running up to your loved one wherever that place is going to be where you meet them on the new heaven and the new earth throwing your arms around them, squeezing them and saying, it's you, it's you and experiencing them and feeling them. And Jesus standing here grinning from ear to ear because that's why he did what he did. God bless you all. Remember God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. His power is made perfect in our weakness. His grace is sufficient. Nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, not even death. He is the way, the truth, the life, the beginning, the end, the God and Father of all over all and through all. May you find rest and peace in his arms. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the Men of Sorrows podcast. I have put Ian McCormick's testimony and website in the show notes. It's really worth a look at to see what he has to say. Um, I also put in the show notes a conversation that I had with my grief counselor, John Glenn, on the year anniversary of my son, Corporal Liam John Lloyd's death. Um, I put my email. You can reach out to me with anything, suggestions, if you want to come on the show insights, links, books that you think I might enjoy. And so reach out to me there. There's also a link to our Facebook page there. We will be back. We will be in touch. Be good to yourself. Breathe and mourn on your timetable, not anybody else's. It's your timetable, not anybody else's. <laughs>